Welcome to Problem Corner. More than just a radio show, it's a community forum, a marketplace, and a platform for dialogue on the issues that matter most to the people of Juneau and Southeast Alaska. This is a space where your voice can be heard, whether you're celebrating, selling, or seeking solutions. Just go to KINYradio.com, click on the Problem Corner link, and add your comments, suggestions, or leave a message. Now, here's your host, Wade Bryson. Well, good morning, good morning, hello, and welcome to the Podcast Problem Corner. Uh, I'm your host, Wade Bryson. I appreciate you joining me today. I've got a couple of fun things. We're going to talk about, uh, oh, just what's been going on this week, and I think we're hearing from a couple of folks on what they feel um, about the school district's uh, recent decisions. Uh, That sounds like a uh, a hot mess that uh, we want to avoid stepping in, but it sounds like we're going to step in it nice and deep. Um, so podcast problem corner, it's not live, but that's okay. You can still send me those emails. K I N Y radio.com. Click on the problem corner link. It'll send you the problem corner email over here and I'll be able to read it at next week's problem corner. So again, you can still send me emails. If you've got two cents about any of the topics that we're covering today, uh, if you have a perfect solution to solving the school district's woes, then by all means, send us that email and I'll share it with everybody. So again, K-I-N-Y radio.com, click on the prom corner link. And uh, on that link, since we're not taking live phone calls, if you give me your phone number, I'll be able to call you up and have you participate in problem corner because it is just so much more fun with your calls. Uh, The first uh, problem that I thought we were going to maybe touch on a little bit because it is connected to every single one of us, every single one of our homes, every single business that you go into, wastewater. Every business has to have water and wastewater, and we pay uh, by the gallon. Uh, They might rate it by the thousand gallons, but um, every business, every home has a water and wastewater. And right now, we try to keep the, the utility rate equal to keeping the system up and running and keeping it going. Um, and then we use like some bonds or, or general fund to do projects. But we have an issue with fats, oils, and greases. And uh, they apparently are causing problems if we don't do it right. So uh, I'm going to uh, talk to Chad here and we'll go into the phone call. And maybe Chad can help us understand this just a little bit more. Hello, Chad Kibala. Chad, good morning. This is Wade with Problem Corner. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you today? I'm doing great. Hey, Chad, I want to know one thing. What's your problem? <laughs> My problem is that uh, I am the uh, treatment uh, manager for the utility of uh, Borough of Juno and Borough of Juno is receiving far too much uh, what we call fog in our waste treatment systems. FOG is an acronym. It stands for Fats, Oils, and Grease. Yep. Uh, so this is our, our, our biggest problem. We're trying very hard to maintain uh, cost effectiveness for the city and borough of Juneau, keep our rates low, keep our treatment efficiency high. FOG interferes uh, in our collection system, clogs up our collection system, causes us to have to get out and clean out uh, a lot of the sections. 
and it also uh, significantly impedes our treatment process uh, at our specific wastewater treatment plants. So, so if people dispose of, like, say, their baking grease down their sink and they run hot water because they think that's going to do it, that's actually causing problems on the back end of it, no pun intended. It, it certainly is, and it doesn't go very far. The fat soils and grease will can clog pipes immediately as soon as you get down into uh, our collection system. The temperature drops rapidly, and all of the lateral pipes as well as our mains get bunged up. Uh, a large uh, section of this issue, though, is also relates to our uh, food service establishments that use a tremendous amount of fog in, in commercial cooking as well. So these are the, the areas in particular that we're concerned about. All right. And so let's go on how this impacts Juno. If we just allow all the fogs to go down the drain um, unchecked, that's going to cost Junoites more money in the long run because if your expenses go up, it's all the Juno homes and businesses that pay the wastewater bill, correct? That's uh, absolutely correct. Uh, we uh, have been working very hard to improve the performance of our treatment plants. We're right at, uh, uh, how shall I say, a point right now where we're at capacity with regards to uh, what we can service in Juno. Uh, Juno obviously is interested in you know, expanding. We're interested in making sure that we can take on new customers, new housing, and things like that. Oh, yeah. As the community expands, it still needs proper wastewater. I know that's an excellent point to make. It, it is. And if we can actually reduce uh, our impact of fog, we can milk more out of our existing treatment plants in terms of performance and make it so that you know, we can uh, bring on additional customers without there being any rate increases. Well, that's great to hear. Everybody wants to hear some kind of news like that. All right. So the best way to dispose of this, use a glass jar and put all your grease into that and then throw it away. Is that what you're recommending to people? Or do you recommend they take it even further and take it to hazardous household waste? How would you well, prefer and- folks to get rid of their fogs? Well, it depends upon, I mean, from a, a domestic uh, source, which is basically, you know, just household uh, operations, yes. At any time you can uh, uh, divert, you know, your bacon drippings or even just wipe out your pans before you clean them and dispose of fog uh, as a solid waste uh, rather than down the drains, that's highly preferable at the domestic side. From the uh, industrial side, from food service operations, we have uh, interest in seeing everybody get on uh, grease traps and be able to collect uh, materials that are can either be recycled or disposed of appropriately uh, from food service establishments. Right on. Those are the two principal areas. Those are two great answers. All right. Well, Chad, thanks for giving us an update on fats, oils, and greases and how every Junoite is responsible. And if we all do the right thing, the costs will be lower over the long run. So um, don't pour Hugely your... Hugely dupa- speaking, this... This is this is a, a very high impact area. So Absolutely. thank you very much. We, we, uh, we really appreciate it. So, Chad, the next time we talk, we're going to talk about PFOS and what we need to do about that. So just to prep okay. you. All right, Chad, thanks for uh, taking the Problem Corner call. All right, and a big appreciation and thank you to Chad uh, for explaining how fats, oils, and greases 
could really impact your house, uh, the business that you go to, the business that you're in. Um, I had a neighbor who had a, a backup, and I think his his part that he had to pay uh, was like seventeen hundred bucks, and, and I won't say which. It's just a person on my street. Then we'll just leave it vague like that. And so, you, this is a very real problem, and um, hazard ha, uh, local household hazardous waste. Or I use one of those uh, spaghetti glass jars that you get your sauce in. Um, I'll fill that up, and then we throw that away every once in a while. But if you have a a crabber friend or somebody that has a boat with that goes out and goes crabbing, apparently old rotting bacon grease is perfect for a crab trap. So maybe you could save your bacon grease and help other crabbers um, have more effective baits in their crab traps. You never know uh, how that might help. All right, I got to go to uh, a commercial break right here. Um, I heard of a neat idea this week, and I wanted to get everybody's two cents on this, and it will require you sending me an email. What do you think about a furniture swap? One of the issues that we run into uh, with like trash here in the community is that um, it's concentrated, but we have a very seasonal workforce. And they said because of how seasonal the workforce is, in the beginning of the summer, everybody's looking for some type of furniture or some sort. But at the end of the summer, people just want to leave town and they're disposing of stuff because that's just as easy. What could we do to collect like used chairs and used mattresses and used kitchen tables? And how could we do that without it? Because you can't make a lot of money off of that. So how would we do something like that? Um in a practical sense. If you have some ideas on that or you want to run a furniture swap, then you should let me know about it here on Prom Corner. I'm going to go ahead and take the first break. I'll be right back with more Prom Corner on KINY. All right. Welcome back to the Prom Corner podcast. Um, and I've had a busy week and I thought after Prom Corner wasn't every day, that my life would get a little bit easier. But instead, it got filled with meetings. Um, I had a, a homeless uh, neighborhood meeting, uh, a Senate hearing. I met with a member of the um, Historic Advisory Resource Committee, uh, a member of the tourism industry, uh, the REAP Energy uh, Renewable Energy Assistance Group, and uh, met with uh, Mary Peltola uh, briefly at her function. And uh, that was one day that I had all of those events and the rest of the week, not quite as busy, but uh, if you guys were worried about me not having enough to do, I filled it with meetings and, and discussions and stuff like that. So it, it is, I've kept myself super duper busy and then I do go to work from time to time. That is one of the other things uh, that I, I do. Um, so we've got all kinds of fun topics uh, to chat about. Uh, I know the school district is uh the, the number one issue that uh, people are probably talking about here in Juneau. And again, no right answer. If there is one or if you know what the right answer is, by all means, send me an email, kinyradio.com. Click on the Prom Corner link, and then you can give us your input on what would help uh, the school district out. All right, so um, I mentioned that uh, I did get to meet uh, with Mary Peltola at her um, open house function at the hangar last night. 
a super nice lady. She's articulate. Uh, she knew what she was talking about. Um, I did get to meet her and introduce myself, and I knew I, like, I only had a chance to ask her for one thing. And of all the things that I could mention to her as an assembly member, I said, you know, a Coast Guard icebreaker coming to Juneau would strengthen Juno's economy, which would then help strengthen Southeast Alaska's economy. So anything you do good for Juno's economy is definitely a feather in the cap for Southeast. And that uh, icebreaker um, would be the, the one action that she could do that would bring the most good to our region. And uh, she said, oh, by the way, Wade, I'm on the Coast Guard uh, advisory uh, committee or the Coast Guard committee f- for her committee assignments uh, as a representative. So I, I felt really good that uh, uh, she did believe that the icebreaker was coming. And uh, I wanted to share that with you because it was even more exciting. On Tuesday night, Senator Sullivan was here. Um, he spoke with the entire legis- uh, the state legislature uh, on Wednesday, uh, but speaking with him on Tuesday night, that's the one thing that we asked. What about an icebreaker? And he goes, that icebreaker's happening. So uh, uh, very optimistic about the icebreaker. And I wanted to take that moment and let you know that both uh, Senator Sullivan and Representative Potola were here in Juneau. Um, I'm sure they met with lots of legislatures, and this week was Alaska Municipal League. So, man, it was a very politically charged week here in the Capitol. All right, well, I'm going to head off to a phone. I know that somebody else has a problem, and uh, we'll go see what it is. Good morning. This is Wade with Problem Corner. How are you doing today? Wade, how are you, young man? I am doing great. I have one question for you, sir. What's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my problem. Uh, you know what? I think uh, my biggest problem after reading the paper this morning is uh, the decision they made on on uh, how to appropriate those school buildings for the students. And and I'm talking as a as a JD high graduate, um, and I have great memories and and uh, a lot of loyalty for that building and going to high school there. Um, but um, when I went to high school, uh, there there wasn't as many kids that had cars as there is today. Uh, um, the Model Ts wouldn't really go very well in the snow. <laughs> and I think so. most teenagers have access to a vehicle these days. They all, they, they all do. And, and you know, out at Thunder Mountain, they've got enough parking there for the whole bloody valley. Yep. Um, a, a majority of the kids uh, that are, are going to be going to J.D. High are from the valley, and or at least north of Lemon Creek. Most of the students, um, I heard like 60-plus percent of high school students live in the valley. Yeah, and and the other thing is the incredible athletic facilities they have out there. They have a bloody football stadium. They have a football team. They, um, you know, they, you've got a track and you you got a track uh, uh, field there. So for your track team, pool next to you, it, you, hiking you, trails. You got yeah. you got, got tra- trails and, and you've got the the uh, uh, field house over there for the winter time when they when they need to. The libraries you know, within walking distance. Uh, yeah, I mean um, to put 
the high school uh, in in downtown where there is no, you know, the teachers, even back when I was in school, parking was an issue. We used to park all the way up into the uh, halfway up to the Highland Drive. Um, and, and we, and it was a constant battle with tickets and, you know, parking tickets and neighbors and parking in the street. And, and, uh, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, you know, if you put the junior high kids in there, they don't drive. Um, uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, it's plenty of space and uh, I just, I just think it's a it's a bloody waste of a beautiful building for for the high school kids out there at Thunder Mountain. I just I just with all the the back the backup and support facilities that there are there. I mean, you know, the junior high team that junior high doesn't have a basketball team or a football team or a volleyball you know, team, a, yeah. a volleyball team, a soccer team. I mean, for heaven's sakes. Anyway, um, if if I had a, a top priority problem today, since you asked, I, I think that would probably be it. I think if they switch that around, it would be a lot better. All right. Well, the one thing that I can predict is that no solution is going to be widely accepted by the whole community. It doesn't matter what they do. No. Everybody's no, going to be upset. All right. Uh, any other, uh, you got about a minute, any other topics that you wanted to remind us about? Well, yeah, I would like to commend you on your excellent testimony in the legislature uh, before the, the Community and Regional Affairs Committee on, on uh, Senator Keel's excellent bill um, to increase the, the assistance to the, those folks that were um, hit by that flood uh, coming down Mendenhall River. Um, you know, it's, it's testimony like yours that helps bills like that move along. And, and as you know, it successfully moved down to that committee. And I think I think your testimony had a lot to do with that, and I commend both uh, uh, you and uh, and of course Senator Keel for introduction of that piece of legislation. I think it I think it's uh, it's it's a great idea. Well, hopefully they will be able to take that ball and run it all the way to the goal line. Hey, I did want to share with you since you mentioned that I, I went and testified at the uh, Senate Regional Affairs Committee. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Well, not even pleasantly surprised. It didn't surprise me that um, our new assembly member, Ella Atkinson, that is a staff member of Jesse Keels, she also had to present during that hearing. And she is awesome. I mean, just articulate and sharp. And so it wasn't just Senator Keel and myself. We had assembly member Ella Atkinson uh, helping to uh, make sure that. Well, it got passed out. Of, it's going to move out of committee. So uh, I guess the right words were said. Well, those those staffers up there aren't there because they're not uh, uh, extremely capable and intelligent and know the process, um, especially in an office uh, with the history and background of of Jesse Keel, who, of course, as you know, was a staffer to, to uh, Senator Egan for at least a decade. Um, and and th- those uh, those young people deserve those positions and they're very good at what they do. All right. Hey, it's our time, but I have one last thing for you. I wanted to let you know that we are going to miss you at the Territorial Sportsman (laughs) Dinner this evening. Uh, And I'm really sad that you're not going to be able to sit there at our table. And thank you for letting me have that table. And I, I, what I'm really sad about is my son, who won the Derby this year, is not going to be at the table with me. He's 
he's taking a little vacation. Uh, yeah, but he's going someplace bad, awesome, badly, I heard. A badly needed vacation to Costa Rica. But I, I think he'd rather be at the Sportsman's Banquet, to tell you the truth. All right. Well, but, I'll tell uh, everybody hi on behalf of Dylan. Yeah, would you? And, and you have a great time there. It's a wonderful affair, affair and it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, organization, and um, you go have fun. All right. Don, thanks for taking my call and participating in Problem Corner today. You bet, Wade. Keep up the great work, my friend. All right. And I hope, I hope this, new, uh, uh, this new program works out well for you and the community. I know, I, I, know, I know well that everybody misses you on a daily basis. I know I sure do. And I miss everybody. It is still yeah. hard to not talk to everybody every day. All right. Hey, well, hey, everybody. you take care, sir. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right. And again, I'd like to thank Don uh, for taking my call and uh, chatting with us about what his problems are. And that is a great reminder that the Territorial Sportsman Annual Function is this evening, Saturday night. Uh, so you're gonna, if you don't have tickets yet, you might want to see if they have any tickets left. Uh, it, it usually is a pretty darn good time. And you think, who's Territorial Sportsman? Well, I'll tell you who Territorial Sportsman is. The Salmon Derby folks, the Territorial Sportsmen, are the the hosts of the Golden North Salmon Derby. And uh, tonight is a fundraiser that can help make sure that event is uh, perpetuated. And they do lots of other things, too. It's not just the Golden North Salmon Derby. That's just the big one that impacts Juno. Um, so, yeah, you can go check that. I, I think I went to their uh, website and uh, got the table there. So you can go check that out as well. All right. Uh, so uh, that almost brings us uh, to the uh, bottom of the hour here. When I come back from the break, uh, we're going to chat about uh, a disaster bill as we had the Mendenhall uh, outburst flood, the glacial outburst flood. And uh, we're going to talk about that when we return with more Prom Corner on KINY. All right. Welcome back to the Problem Corner podcast. Uh, I know that the school district and the very tough challenges and decisions uh, that they're trying to make are uh, on the forefront of uh, most people's mind, especially if you're a parent uh, with a kid in uh, Juno Douglas. Every parent is like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my kid? What's going to be the impact to my children and my family? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give John a call here. Hello. Good morning. This is Wade with Problem Corner. How are you doing today? Wade, I'm doing good. Excellent. I have one question for you. What's your problem? Uh, my problem is this Juno School District and the rest uh, knee-jerk reaction decisions. So, I think it's everybody's I, problem right now. Yeah. So last night the uh, House voted for a historic increase and. One of the members of uh, the board said, pretend that that does not exist. Um, we still have three weeks till we even have to decide. Yep. Why do we make a rush at 12 o'clock at night, um, which pretty much seemed like one member bullied all the others into uh, actually making a decision that was his idea Oh, I'd say a good two years ago, so far before this supposed crisis ever existed, these ideas were being pushed forward. 
Well, I so, know that is it's tough stuff. And man, I've always said that there's no good decisions are made after 10 p.m. because I've had those. 11 o'clock ending meetings, midnight meetings, they're suspending the rules so they can keep going. And nobody's brain is functioning at 100% when you've been in a dis- – I heard the meeting was seven hours. Did you watch all seven hours of it, sir? We watched the whole thing, and my son, who's oh. an eighth grader, came came in at 9.30 at night from uh, basketball practice all excited. He said, Dad, I heard that the house approved um, – more money for the school. So he goes, now, <clears throat> I take it you're upset about this. Oh, I'm pissed. Right. Um, so one of the members said in the meeting about three weeks ago that he would rather have his kid in charter school than ours in sports. Ooh, them are fighting words. Yeah, well, it's people think about moving out of town words. Exactly. And at a time when the one thing that the community needs is new young families uh, because we're an aging population. And this problem impacts that. And my worry about this is that there's no good right answer. Whatever answer gets picked, most of the people are going to be upset with it. And uh, I'm... I'm staying out of it as best I can until it's time. Well, so, our, so before last night, now our kids have half the sports opportunities they had before that yep. vote. And everyone pretending that these CTE classes are for everyone. Um, my daughter graduated from JD last year. Um, she could not get in half the classes she wanted to, and all those CTE classes are for upperclassmen. Oh, and so, so it, it does put a lot of limits when you go back down to one high school. There's That's definitely one of the issues they're trying to figure out. Well, it seemed like the uh, 7th through 12th is not ideal, but then it would actually leave the schools intact and would give the most opportunities. But the one thing I've been confused about from the beginning is we have two high schools, two middle schools, six elementary schools. The elementary schools, I believe, are around 50,000 square feet each and are somewhere in the 50% use. So Something like that. If, if we're shutting down stuff, how come it was never discussed to take two of the elementary schools and put them at DZ? Um, because yeah, the, I think the, they're leaving some of the options off the table, and and again, I think it goes back to it doesn't matter what they say that they're coming thinking that about doing. There's an an emotional response from the people that use that school. I, I, man, I wish there was an easy answer. Well, yeah, and how how ironic to meet at uh, JD when you decide that every every person that's ever attended. T. Elm and as a Falcon and all their families. I mean, my son is a junior at T. Elm right now, and he's struggling with if he's just going to do homeschool next year because he wanted to graduate where he went to school. Um, but it's it seems ironic that the one member that said he'd rather have his kid in charter school than ours in sports. Now they're going to give a hundred thousand square foot building, which is DZ to charter school. So yeah, which, 
Yeah, 150 that, kids roam in the halls. I know somewhere they they have made up some really like they're saying a couple of things that just don't seem practical or pragmatic. Like we're going to close a school, but then we're going to put school kids in it. Uh, I made them reiterate that when I heard them first say that. So right, and then you're you're going to put all of our ninth through twelfth graders at JD. I went there when it was packed. Yeah. Um, no one even knows you exist when there's that many kids wandering through the hall. Absolutely. Uh, that I is one of the, the issues. I remember the zigzag pattern you had to do to wade through a thousand kids in the hallway. Um, but it's, it's weird. It seems like some are getting preferential treatment on. Um, now it kind of seems like not only is it rather have your kid in charter school but no sports it's uh i don't know it's just frustrating all right well hey i do feel your pain i hope getting it off your chest a little bit helps uh man we're gonna hear many many uh different statements and opinions before this thing gets settled so uh well are they gonna re-vote on this or is this uh is this midnight little bully session we watched um which I didn't even think it was proper decorum where um, I I believe it was Elizabeth Seddon spoke over to the, the one lady and asked if we made this change, would you approve it? After they had already failed three times at pushing it forward. Um, and then no one, no one was moving forward. And then the one member called a brief at ease and I watched the mayor. I watched three other members go and got very close to the one trying to convince her to move forward with it. And then all of a sudden um, you see the one member go over and was meeting with the attorney in the corner and then came out with a printed document to push forward. And I just, I just think uh, stuff should be more in the open instead of typical behind closed doors, hiding in the corner out of the camera view. No, I hear you. Um, I hate that you say typical because we try really hard, especially in the assembly, to not have any appearance of that stuff. So, um, well, I I'm know you do, Wade. That. I was, I was meaning toward typical school board decisions. Uh, they made the decision they, they, somewhere else, and then uh, let you guys know what it was. All right. Well, when we hear more, we'll share more. Thanks, thanks for take, Wade. Have no, thanks for taking my call. All right, more stuff with the school district. I wish. There was an easy answer. And again, I want to thank John for taking my call and participating in Problem Corner. And uh, it was not lost on me that when John was talking about how excited his child was that the BSA had been, uh, the BSA raise had been passed by the House. So that means it's taken a positive step forward. And his eighth grade kid, and I don't think I've ever heard a story of an eighth grader paying attention to a legislative funding level ever. Eighth graders don't do stuff like that. But the fact that this guy almost, I don't want to say start crying, but got choked up when he talked about his child's emotion uh, and emotional reaction to hearing that the BSA could maybe come in and help uh, fix the situation. Um, that to me says everything. That's the emotional level that this problem is impacting the community on. That's what makes it so important. 
We can't let our community face this problem without getting a really good, solid answer so that we don't find ourselves in this position again. I don't think anybody wants to have to go through this for their school districts. And the reason why I mention that, that we have to get it right, is that this is like the fourth time that the school districts found themselves in a financial pickle. And uh, we're not going to do the blame game. I don't want to do that. But we have to figure out how to correctly educate our kids with the funding level that's available. And I think that's the, the primary outcome that we need to uh, uh, make sure that the at least the school district is focusing on. So, uh, again, thank you. And uh, I know that it is a, a very heartfelt emotion. Um, so the best thing that you could do, if you want to have your two cents heard, um, write a letter. And you can submit that letter uh, that you can edit and you can take the emotion out of it and say, this is what the would provide the best solution for my family or for the families involved. If you bring solutions forward, um, those are going to be heard much, much louder than the complaints of how dare you think of doing this. So let's be uh, proactive. And if you have a real solution, you can either send it to me here at KINYradio.com, click the problem corner link, send me your solution. Or if you've written a really good letter, you could submit it to either the assembly or the school district. Um, And being positive, this is what will help. This is what I feel would help. This is uh, the the logic that I'm using to give my solution rather than you guys are uh, um, bad for doing this. They're, everybody's trying to solve it right now, but there's no right answer. That's what makes it a little tough. All right. I got to go take one more break, but I do have an email for stuff to sell. And you absolutely can do that. I would be honored to sell your stuff through a Problem Corner email. Uh, This person has Columbia Waterproof Men's Hiking Shoes, size 9 like new. Uh, They're in search of a two-bedroom that is approved for a veteran housing voucher. Uh, This person is also offering house and pet sitting at $35 a day. They also offered pet walking throughout the day while you're at work. $20. So if you are in need of some size nine, like new Columbia hiking shoes, or you've got an apartment for rent, or you need a house sitter or pet sitter, call 419-2040-419-2040. And I would love to have your email. So the next time you get in front of the computer, go to KINYradio.com, click the problem corner link and send me your email I'll read it next time. I'm going to take that last break. I'll be right back with more Problem Corner on KNY. All right. Welcome back to Problem Corner. Um, I really wish I could ask for your calls right now, but we'll have to settle on emails. Go to KINYradio.com. Click on the Problem Corner link. And there is a spot if you'd like for me to give you a call uh, during a Problem Corner show. Just leave me your phone number and say, wait, give me a call, and I'll include you in on the phone calls for Problem Corner. All right, so on Thursday, I did get to speak to uh, the Senate uh, Regional Affairs Committee. 
uh, Chair Force Dunbar out of uh, Anchorage is the, the chair of that. And it was the one of the stops for Senator Keel, our local senator's uh, disaster aid bill. And this is a really big deal for everybody, um, as we just had the Mendenhall Glacier outburst flood on August 6th. Um, as we discovered during that time period, the state's maximum assistance in a disaster for Alaskans is $21,000. That was it. Now, when that law was made, that $21,000 might have been a, a bit more, but we all know now that didn't even scratch the surface for any of the families or households that were impacted by that situation. So Senator Keel's bill would then raise that level of funding to $50,000. And you wouldn't automatically get 50. That would be the max. Um, and that far, the cost to the people who save their homes, that far, far exceeded that. Uh, the cost exceeded that 50000 But that does give you breathing room. And as I was explaining to uh, the committee, it's that panic. It's that I don't know what to do next. I don't have the money for this. I don't know where I'm going to get the money for this. I don't know where I'm going to stay tonight. I don't know where I'm going to live next month or next week. Having $50,000 in your hand, all of a sudden that changes. Okay, I can do this. I can have a place to stay next tonight. I can have a, I can have a place to stay next week. Um, oh, I can begin to work with a contractor to save my house. Um, and so it wasn't uh, this disaster bill, uh, thanks to Senator Keel, actually uh, is going to move forward at the next regional affairs committee. So that's really good news. And it's not just for Juno and our Yakhlop event. Uh, one of the speakers in favor of this um, uh, that joined us uh, was from Haynes, and they talked about their landslide. And when I had the chance to speak, I, I reminded the senators that no district in Alaska was immune from natural disasters. And while you can get insurance for some things, it would be a real challenge to be 100% insured for every single thing that the world could throw at us. And so um, being able to, to help the Alaskan citizens out more, I think was, uh, 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 I was proud to be a part of that. Um, if you got two cents on the disaster bill aid, disaster aid bill, Senate 236, Senate bill 236. Um, again, you can radio.com, click on the prom corner link and, you can give me uh, the details on that, how you feel about that kind of stuff. Um, another topic that I covered this week, I went to a community meeting um, at the Teal Street uh, United uh, Health Services campus to talk about some homeless issues. Uh, we're still having, oh man, I wonder if I can say this word out loud. Well, I'm going to find out. Uh, they're having vagrancy issues surrounding the homeless shelter in the valley. And it, we have homeless individuals that actually are participating in the programs. They're trying to get help. They work with the shelter. They work in the Teal Street Center. They get help from the Teal Street Center. And what the, the, the 
Glory Hall providers are finding is that it's not the people that are participating in their program staying with them. It's it's people that are showing up, maybe using a little bit of services or taking advantage of that vulnerable population. And so um, how do we help and protect our vulnerable population from those that are, you've heard me use the phrase before, willfully noncompliant. They don't want to participate. They just want to be on the fringes. Um, that's creating a small problem for them as they're really trying to help people that need help. Um, one of the discussions that we're having is, do we have a, a warming shelter all year long as opposed to a campground uh, that they operate during the summer? Well, they don't like the campground option that much because the drug use was sky high because there wasn't as much oversight on it. And at the end of the summer, the trash bill for throwing away all the trash that was left at that campground was $30,000 to clean up the campground. Do you know how much garbage it takes to get to $30,000 It takes a lot, a lot of garbage. I mean, that is an incredible amount of money. Um, We don't want to to always do that. So what's a better way? Now, here's the other thing to run into. You have to behave to be in the glory hall. You can't be actively intoxicated, actively using drugs. They won't let you in there. And what they found is that with the warming shelter having – the lowest barrier for entrance meaning that you can enter intoxicated and enter high because they're trying to protect life and it's a low bar. Um, so they're saying, no, you can't receive services at the glory hall. You're not participating by the rules. And then they are like, fine, I can go to the warming shelter and I don't have to participate by any of the rules. And nobody is benefiting from that, even though we are probably sheltering some people over the that would otherwise not be sheltered. If you know of a wonderful solution to that, by all means, uh, we are all ears. Now, I did have some positive news from uh, that community meeting. Um, Everybody was worried about with us having the Glory Hall new facility, the United uh, Human Health Services campus next door where you can get services. We were afraid of communities sending their homeless to Juneau, and it happens. And I got a number. Since August 1st of 2021, they have sent 197 people back home to where they came from, where they had resources and family or some sort of infrastructure to benefit them. That's 200 people in about two and a half years of saying, no, you're not sending us your homeless. We're giving them back to you. And of all of the pieces of information that I heard, that one was the most promising that While we are definitely helping the vulnerable population of the community, we've put our foot down and said, we're not helping the vulnerable population of your community. You need to go do that. I feel like I'm talking to my puppy not behaving. All right. Um, So that was uh, some homeless issues that we have discovered. And again, if you have some wonderful solutions, you know what the answers are. Um, how could we do a parking area, a parking lot 
for people to live in. You want to live in your car? Here's the parking lot. How do we do that um, and protect liability? Um, are cameras the answers? You know, should we have bus stop cameras? Would that solve some of the issues? Um, your guess is as good as mine. Um, but if you have information on it or you uh, know of a good example, uh, the one thing that uh, Bellingham, Washington has passed is they treat the area right by their homeless shelter as a protected area, almost like a school zone. So having drugs in that protected area around a homeless shelter, that becomes a felony instantly. And right now the problem is if it's a not a felony, they're probably not going to get arrested and go to jail because they're still in the backlog of only prosecuting felonies and they're not really prosecuting misdemeanors. The city gets left with prosecuting the misdemeanors and uh, the jail doesn't want to house them. So even if we prosecuted them and they got convicted, the likelihood that the state prison uh, where they'd be housed may let them on an early release or straight to the halfway house. And so a uh, similar situation to the trash other entities control part of the system that removes local control. And so um, state law is very clear. City rules or city law, like uh, uh, something that we would do to combat uh, the homelessness uh, in the valley, um, you can't supersede state law. But a protected area has stricter laws. So we are trying to navigate that. It's not a clear-cut answer. I wish it was. All right, so that's been our problem corner today. You know what? It's okay. We got a couple of calls in. I got to talk to a couple of folks. I got to read an email. I definitely had a active week, and I wanted to share uh, some of the topics that uh, we've been covering and making progress on. And um, I hope you found this beneficial. But the best way that you can make it beneficial for you is send me an email, K-I-N-Y, radio.com, click on the Problem Corner link, get your email over here to me, and I can either read your email or call you the next time we're doing Problem Corner and you can still participate with us. Uh, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode of Problem Corner. Uh, if you're listening on the radio, thanks for tuning in. If you're listening to a podcast, I hope you've enjoyed the show. And remember, on Problem Corner, there are really no such thing as problems. It's just solutions we've yet to discover. That has never changed. Uh, until next time, though, I'm Wade, and I'm out of here. You've been listening to Problem Corner, a production of KINY Radio. Listen every Saturday morning at 9 or subscribe everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts.